It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Yeah. I want to ball like a whistle. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing with the net. Girl, you shot for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball out like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, you shot for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And join with me on the other line, all the way from the left coast. He's uh, he he doesn't have to stay up this early or this late. My guy, uh, original basketball blogger, my guy Adam McGinnis. How you doing today, Adam? Uh, Mr. Troy Halbert, I, I love that professional opening. It's so much better than uh, the the average podcast openings I've done over the years. But uh, yeah, man, opening day NBA, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm honored and privileged in. Your Washington Nationals are two wins away from the title, too. So I know this is uh, not not that type of podcast. But uh, what's up, dude? What's happening? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing all right, man. Uh, yeah, I, we, we actually delayed the start of this podcast just so you and I could both uh, kind of jam out as fans watching the, the Nationals just dominate the, uh, <sighs> the Houston Astros in, in those last three innings. So I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. It's uh, – it's, Hey, at least at least we have a, a couple of uh, DC sports teams that are that, that are keeping hope alive. You know, we're, we're definitely not going to reference anything at FedEx Field, but uh, I yeah, man, it's it's pretty wild that <laughs> the outcome of this game tonight is is happening right when the Nats are putting up a six run historic inning in Houston, and uh, the Wizards are getting screwed in, in Texas as well in Dallas. Uh, but, but yeah, man, uh, it is, it's been, you know, it's a title town now. The Mystics got the Cavs a couple of years ago, right? That was seen yeah. the Washington Wizards to be, uh, competitive. So let's, let's break down, uh, stuff like, uh, who the hell is our backup point guard? And, uh, uh <laughs> we have big white guys that shoot threes. <laughs> they have they have a lot of those guys. But let, 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 let's start uh, talking about the the basketball game that took place. So the Wizards took on the Dallas Mavericks and they lost 108 to 100. And uh, that that score might be a little deceiving for people who did not watch the game because I mean the Wizards were were, were kind of getting kind of getting dominated for for the majority of that game. Uh, they were down by as much as 23 points. And, and they and they they definitely put together a scrappy effort to uh, get back in the game uh, in the. Um, what, let's start talking about um, some of the things that led uh, to the Wizards getting down by that amount of points. 
What, what did you see from your perspective um, for, for, for the reason why the team uh, was getting dominated and why they got down by 20 points? Well, Troy, I signed up to watch uh, the Wizards at the Mavericks right during the uh, game two of Washington Nationals World Series game. So, of course, I got the laptop. I'm having issues with the stream. Uh, you know, sorry out there. I haven't given any money to the NBA yet. And I, I get the Dallas Mavericks feed. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, so I'm watching the stats, watching the Nats on the main TV, and uh, and it was about a minute. The play-by-play on ESPN is like a minute behind the streams, which actually kind of helped out a little bit because I could kind of focus on like what play was about to happen, what I needed to watch. Uh, but what I saw overall was, you know, to recap of these two pages of notes I really had. Um, you know, first quarter, uh, the Wizards 25-24, they're by one. A lot of foul trouble. Uh, Dallas couldn't make a shot, but they were staying in it by, you know, the Wizards picking up a lot of fouls. I think a lot of cheap fouls. Some of them were deserved. Most weren't because, you know, fuck F the refs. They hate us. Uh, and then, you know, it was back and forth. But the Dallas really took control of this game in the middle of the second quarter. And I think I, what I write down, they went on a 20 to four, they went on an 11 0 run, a 20 to four run. Uh, Luka Donis really took over at the end of the second quarter and pretty much built a 15 to 20 point lead that they held out throughout the game, and it looked like it was going to be a cruising victory. The Wizards outscored Dallas 32-17 to in the fourth. Uh, they kind of cut the lead down to 12. It was down to 12-14. Then they brought Don, Don Jinks back. Uh, there were some questionable calls at the end, and the, the Wizards, you know, Beal, you know, we can talk about the Beal play, but, you know, if not, Dallas misses a shot, maybe the Wizards, they're down by seven with like a minute and a half left. So it's probably not going to happen, but – like you said, it was pretty much a 15 to 20 point game for the majority of this game. So it's like, it's hard to tell, you know, yeah, you look at the final score, it looks like maybe it was close to the end, but it really wasn't. Um, I thought that they gave a valiant effort, but the limitations of this team for the season, you can really tell, especially them being so banged up at the beginning of the year, uh, the lack of, the lack of wing depth, uh, backup point guard play, point guard play in general is kind of shaky. And some of the defensive decision-making, uh, especially team concept-wise by the coach, I thought um, was, uh, you know, questionable. But, you know, the Dallas was favored by nine and a half. We won by eight. Uh, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway, Troy, and I'll stop talking, is that Bradley Beal is the all-star best player. John is their best player. Bradley Beal, 7-25 from the field, 1-11 of 11 from three, 19 points. Uh, Dante is 12 and 19 from the field, four and nine from three, 34 points. I mean, the Wizards are not going to win many games at home, definitely not on the road against a decent team uh, with, with Bradley Beal shooting one from 11 from three. Uh, and, you know, that's just kind of the bottom line. Yeah, no, so I think that there's a lot to break down and, and everything that you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm I'm sorry, did, I go, did I go too much? Did I go too much? I took all your talking points or what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's just there's just you know a, a process to breaking it down. But let's let's go with the last thing that you just said about Bradley Bill going seven for twenty five from the field and one from eleven from three point range. I mean, when you come when when the Wizards are coming into a game and they're playing the Dallas Mavericks. And I know Luka Doncic had a great season last year, and he was rookie of the year. But Bradley Bill is still a better basketball player than Luka Doncic right now. And you, we wouldn't be able to know that from the outcome of this game. So the, the Wizards aren't going to be able to win many games where their star player comes in and gets outplayed by the opponent's star player. And so, like, I mean, Brad, 
he had a, a, a valiant effort in the second half. But I mean, I mean, like, 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 like we both said. I mean, the, the team isn't talented enough to beat anybody where Bradley doesn't play. I mean, even a, a, a halfway decent game. You know, shooting one for eleven from three point range. I mean, that that that's really a, a below average outing for for Bill. And and, and, I, and, I, and Troy, I don't think he had like of those eleven looks. I don't think there were like so many that were wide open that he missed. There was a lot of tough shots he took. Right? Like, I felt like he was like, I want to get going now, so I'm just going to pull up through a screen, which is fine, but you, he wasn't hot, right? So he was trying to search out some shots. And, I, you know, he had nine assists, but he also, I think, was a little passive at the beginning of the game. And then Donkey started getting cooking, and then Bradley just couldn't get on a roll. Like, he makes a couple good moves on the hoop, the ball go in and out. Uh, so he never felt like in a shooter's rhythm. Right, but but overall, you're right. Like, I mean, he just he cannot play that poorly on the road, especially when he's a more established player than Doncic. Yeah, I mean, I think that when when you look at uh, Bill, I feel like he wasn't as aggressive to start the game, and so to your point, he was never really able to get into that rhythm. To like, it it just never really seemed like you know that that he he was getting to the shots that he wanted. And so, obviously, when the team is down 20 points in the second half and he's the star player, he's coming off the screen. He realizes, okay, that he has to be a lot more aggressive on the offensive end. But I, 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 don't, I don't think that he, was, he ever really got into a rhythm at the beginning of the game. And I felt like that he was trying to really kind of force the issue to try to get some of his teammates involved. And for the first quarter, um, as you said, you know, the score was 25-24. Uh, with Washington actually being up, I felt like Brad was doing a decent job of trying to get uh, his teammates involved. But what I really – a part of the problem that I have with what, how the Wizards played this game was the fact that Scott Brooks, I mean, he just seems to be a little bit behind on his rotation. Like, he, he always – like, he's always, like – behind the curve and not, like, as far as making the correct moves, as far as putting people into the game. So when you look at him playing a guy like Admiral Schofield, who is really not ready at all, like, he didn't have a good NBA preseason. And I know that the team is missing C.J. Miles and Troy Brown. But, I mean, you look at, like, I mean, he's never really – Scott Brooks well, really well, Troy, I think it goes back to the other part of this that we didn't talk about yet was, like, why did Doncic get cooking so much, right? We focus a little bit here more on Beal, but who was defending him? What were the sets? I mean, there were some crazy shots that Doncic was making, but there were so many times he was switched off or being guarded by, you know, maybe because of foul trouble. Because I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bonga? Benga? Bonga. Was on him early, and I think they did an okay job. And then when he got going, he was done. But he, Schofield was on him. Bertrand was on him. It didn't seem like they had any – like, didn't have really a defender over, so he was just sometimes just – I mean, how many times did he just have, like, a sick Euro layup at the rim, right? You know, aside from his step back. Step backs, you're like, okay, uh, you know, you tip your hat. But there's so many other buckets that he was getting, some and ones in the lane with no real uh, Wizards defense at all, which then caused him to really start feeling good on that step back, you know? Yeah, I mean, so when we look at those matchups, uh, so what was Scott's, what was Scott's, what was the defensive plan for Scott Brooks? Uh, it, it was what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So 
I mean, I, I, it, it seems as though uh, they started out the game with Isaac Bonga uh, yeah, starting Bonga. Uh, uh, Doncic, and then so once once they went to their bench lineup, um, they, they were putting Davis Bertans out there, and Bertans spent a, a good portion of the second and third quarters uh, guarding Doncic, and he really he didn't do a good job. I mean, um, Bertans is a six ten power four. And I don't think that he really has the foot speed to keep up with Doncic, who is like probably one of the one of the more mobile uh, European forwards in the game right now. I mean, his Eurostep game is is on another level. And honestly, like I, I just don't think that that was a good game plan for Scott Brooks's part to have a situation where Bertans was out there guarding uh, Luka Doncic like in, in a one on one setting. Like I just. I just don't think that that was a smart coaching decision. And, then, and, and, you, and you mentioned Schofield. I mean, the first two subs were Bertans and the Admiral Schofield. I mean, you think there was a couple foul foul trouble early. but And then, you know, McCray's there more offensively. But it did, it did seem that Beal was not around Doncic on a bunch of plays uh, in the third quarter before he got subbed out and basically built the lead to 20. Um, and then and then Doncic kind of struggled a little bit in the in the second half. I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter. But – you know, the lead was built up, and it just seemed, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see no, when I look back on what you're talking about, I didn't really see any semblance of resistance or any type of plan to stop them. Um, you know, they had some, a couple other energy guys, and, you know, they shot, uh, they shot uh, 11 of 36. I mean, the thing is, the Wizards were like 3 of 26 at one time. So these, these stats right here are a little bit misleading. <laughs> But uh, I think that you're going back to uh, – and I love that we're game one, already talking about Scott Brooks' rotations. I mean, I feel like I'm in mid-season form here, Troy. Uh, but going back to, to – is it is it the, the lack of – now, you said C.J. Miles. Uh, you also said, you know, obviously Troy Brown, you know, an athletic wing. It does seem that they played a little heavy-footed um, with either light scores, too many guards, or big. So is that just like roster construction or is that – is it just painful? Like, why does Scott Brooks believe in Adam Schofield, who just seems more of an undersized four than anyone that could stop be switched upon? You know, one of the best young players in the NBA. Yeah, I think it is a roster construction issue, and Admiral Schofield is an undersized four. I, I just, I mean, they just don't really have any other wings, and I would prefer if they would just go smaller and just play uh, a guy like Jordan McRae more minutes. So when you look at the at the minutes breakdown for the Wizards, yeah, that's like good. Yeah, you have uh, Bonga who only played twenty three minutes. Um, uh, Rui Hashimura only played twenty five minutes. Uh, Ish Smith played twenty four minutes. And then you look at jo- Jordan McRae; he played twenty three minutes. And then a guy like Admiral Schofield played sixteen minutes. Like it just and, uh, and, 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 Bert- and Berton's played twenty nine plus minus seventeen negative five fouls. One turnover. So I don't want to pick on Bertans because I think that he's a good player. But, but I think to your point is that you know he got he, he, he got he got cooked there because he's out of position, not because exactly. he's not good. Exactly, he cooked right? because he's out of position. And you know that's not really a, anything against him. Like I think that that I think that Bertans guarding Luka Doncic will lead to the result that we got tonight nine times out of ten. Like that. I mean, look at the look at the other starters: Mavericks, Clyburn, zero points. You know, Porzingis, who I thought, you know, made some good shots, but, you know, he had 23 points. 
Um, Courtney Lee, four. Wright, five. Doncic, 34. Jackson, Sidney Smith, nine. I mean, I think to tell you the truth, a lot of what they built the lead up was Curry, Brunson, really cooking some of these uh, Wizards players. You know, I, I think that was another. I mean, I don't think that's the main thing, reason. But um, and then that was just maybe a miscalculation by the staff of what they really had out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the bench was uh, outscored uh, forty-two. Uh, the the Dallas Mavericks bench had forty-two. Yeah. I mean, well, the Wizards had thirty-seven points off of their bench, so it wasn't bench scoring. But I feel like a lot of those bench points that the that, that the Wizards got was kind of like in in the in the garbage time variety. Whereas the Mavericks, you know, they they were playing, uh, their bench was playing well in that in the in the the heart of the game in that second and third quarter where they uh, were able to go on that run. And so, you know, I, I'm looking at Scott Brooks, and I think that I mean he's got to shorten his rotation. This isn't the preseason anymore. He can't just be coming out here playing ten guys all the even amount of minutes. Like at certain at a certain point, like a guy like Admiral Schofield. Is probably shouldn't be in the rotation like this early, and, and you know, and this also goes back to the poor roster construction of the Wizards. When you look at a guy like a Justin Anderson, who is a replacement level player, who a lot of Wizards fans wanted to make the final roster, they they didn't have a roster spot to give him, and I think a part of that is because, uh, well, you know, they they have the end of the roster guys. You have a Justin Robinson and a Chris Chioza who made the team because the team has invested uh, a little bit in their in their sake and, and, and for them to, to be a future investment. But See, you know, uh, the, the I'm, 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 I'm right now. Well, let me go back. I'm pretty – I you know, I'm going to admit you used to follow all this stuff 100 bazillion percent. Now I just follow it a million percent. And I, I missed that debate in the sense that, you know, I saw Justin Anderson got in a fight during the preseason with one of the fucking That's, Morris twins, he, he right? Did, he didn't get yeah, and Justin Anderson – oh, no, 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 no. I'm Okay, I'm sorry. The Morris twins freaked out on him for no good reason, yeah. right? Okay, okay. That, I stand corrected. That That is a wrong characterization. Um, and, and I didn't see how he played in the preseason overall, but he's a former first-round pick, still a young guy, took a flyer on him. Those are – those are, you know, the Martell Webster type of picks. These are the people down are, are pickups. These are the guys that kind of, you know, the Wizards have hit on some over the years, right? You know, a lot of that's because John Wall, uh, you know, Rasul Butler, you know, guys that just, you know, needed another extra chance. I mean, I mean, this, if you want to even go back and go back to uh, the guy for Sean Livingston, uh, <laughs> go deeper back, but in the sense that uh, then you have a. Chris Chawiza, how do you spell his name? How do you sound his name? Yo, Adam, are you even a fan of the Wizards, dog? No, no, Chawiza, how do I pronounce it? I've never heard Chioza, it pronounced. Chioza, man. Chioza. <laughs> no, no, and I know Robinson. No, I know who he is. And then I know Robinson is the uh, the kid from Virginia Tech, right? Yeah, so, Robinson okay, so, so why would you keep Anderson, who's a wing, instead of keep two similar point guard type of players? Well, because they probably right, already, right? They made a promise to Justin Robinson to, with his agent that they'd probably put him on the team when they when they when they uh recruited him as an undrafted free agent. And then Chris Chioza, they put him on a two way contract, whereas Justin Anderson wasn't eligible to go on a two way contract because he already has four years experience in the uh NBA. So, so the Wizards have to eat the Wizards have to eat five hundred grand or a million or something, right? I mean that's basically what they need to do. Right, and they, they and they weren't gonna do that with Anderson. Did Anderson play well enough? Because I think your point is that 
it seems that we would need a player like him, especially <coughs> especially a veteran type of guy, to fill in some of this ring these wing minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and looking looking at the team right now, um, they don't have enough wing depth to competently compete in NBA games right now, and nope. so. Yeah, that I mean that like and you look at a guy like Justin Anderson who is a former first round pick who came into training camp and played decent in the preseason. You know, I and I have to admit where this is where I was wrong last week where I I, I didn't think that Justin Anderson was going to make the team, but now I'm kind of looking at it like, yo, he should probably be on this team because they can't come out here even if even if they only had him on the team for a week or two weeks until. C.J. Miles and Troy Brown get healthy. I mean, they they can't go into these games with Admiral Schofield having to play. Well, let's let's go down the list. Schofield's a wing, can't not a wing, undersized, can't shoot. McCray can't shoot. So you have one shooter. I don't. And then the other wings I see is Beal and Bonga. But it's not. And it's then, not about. It's not about the shooting though. It's about who can who can they defend at the wing position. Yep. And so they, they have, like, they, they, they two guys. Really they have two have players. Who can defend a small so Bonga, Bonga and Beal are the only ones that can defend NBA caliber defense on the wing, on the whole roster. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, and then we right, have right? a guy like Jamario Jones, who also came over in that deal from the Lakers, who never even got a shot in the preseason to kind of show the team what he can do. Uh, he was the best perimeter defender by far in training camp, and, you know, they, they, they never even tried to – to, to see what he could do, so I mean, it, it, it's just a, it's a little uh, disheartening that you know some some of the same problems that has plagued uh, the Wizards as far as uh, roster construction and rotations are still very much an issue uh, under a Scott Brooks led team. Okay, so Troy, you're telling me that you know now that the league has gone to where wings are all these assets, uh, and the Wizards would you know pay you know, invest in Yamahimi and Gortat when the league was going smaller, two bigs that couldn't play at the same time, play the same position for years. We paid them $37 million combined. Uh, now they've went the opposite where they got four guards on the roster, uh, like six foot and under here with, with Ish Smith. <laughs> and then IT3, right? So they don't, and not enough wings, right? So they either got a bunch of like white guy bigs that could shoot threes or or a bunch of small point guards. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't uh classify it as bluntly as you just did. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I should I shouldn't add that in there. Uh, uh Thomas Bryant, obviously he's a big and and uh Rui. Actually can we talk about Rui? I'm sorry, we got in the weeds already. I've taken over your podcast, Troy. On um what do you think about the the rookie tonight? I thought I think that uh, Rui looked. He looked like how I think that he's going to look throughout the course of this season. The things that Rui does very well, as far as scoring uh, low, getting uh, put back, uh, being a great hustle player, I think that he's going to be very good at that. I mean, he he went over three from all his three point shots, and a couple of those three point shots. I know that there was one shot where uh, the team they they had a possession where they were down nine. I believe, with a little bit under two minutes left, and they got a big stop versus the Mavericks, and they came down, and really had a wide-open three that, you know, if he hits that shot, they get him to a six-point game. And then, you know, this is when Brad was still in the game. You know, you never know what could happen. But, you know, Rui is not at that level right now where he's comfortable 
hitting that outside shot. Just oh, yet. he looks he looks way more smoother in that mid range game. I mean, I'm exactly. not exactly no, but he looks like he's just like bam in rhythm. And then on the three, especially one early in the corner, we kind of had that little hitch. It wasn't like a bad hitch, right? Because he had just hit, he had just flashed a 19 foot jumper smooth as silk, not just previously. But you can kind of tell he thinks about it a little bit, right? Like, oh, it's a little longer, right? I got to, like – whereas, like, I don't feel – even one, even a couple that he missed, uh, you know, some 20 – ones that, you know, even though I'm against long twos in general as, as a gospel and Bible as a uh, fall analytics NBA, I'm not against the sense of, like, comes in the flow of the offense, that's your shot, you're really good at it. Um, but he also knows that he should hit the open, take the open three, because I think some other – Wizards passed up some open threes tonight. Uh, Ish Smith, who couldn't make some. I think Bonga had a look. Uh, whereas, like, you just got to shoot that even though you don't. And, Rui, I was really impressed. Let's look at his line. He was 14 points, 7 of 15 shooting, uh, 0 of 3 from 3, like we mentioned. Four offensive boards, six defensive boards, 10 rebounds overall. Uh, I thought he was so – I thought he was very extremely, you know, as expected athletic. But to see them going up against, you know – some athleticism. I mean, I know they were without Dwight Powell, which probably would help, but, you know, shit. Fucking, you know, KP's a seven-footer. Kleiber's a big guy. You know, like, they, Justin Jackson's athletic down there. And just to see Rui just kind of belong. And some, especially, I was really impressed. Sometimes he would just grab the defensive rebound and then look to push right away, right? Where he was, like, comfortable to, like, not, like, you know, sometimes people get rebounds and they just kind of pause a little bit. Then what should I do? He was comfortable, but not JaVale McGee, I'm going to take off, go 100 miles an hour. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I was like, wow. I was, I, I was really impressed by that. I think that you're right. Some, you know, he had some opportunities to hit some big outside shots. Um, I didn't really see much of any offensively post-moves types. I don't really think he got the ball there. But just his athleticism around the rim uh, and his, uh, you know, kind of grit and, you know, aggressive, aggressiveness overall, I was really impressed by yeah, I think Rui Rui is a, is he's a he's a project and he's a project who has a lot of upside, but I think the baseline of consistency that we're going to see from him uh throughout the course of this season it, it, it was pretty much established tonight. Like this I think that this is the type of guy that we're going to see like where he's going to be able to give you, you know, 14 and 10 uh on 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 a pretty much a nightly basis like just because I mean, he, his game is smooth enough uh, in the areas that he's comfortable with on the court that he can come out and, and score in his spots, and he can get to his spots uh, when he wants to. So, you know, I, I'm very encouraged by what I saw from Rui. Yeah, what's a, what's a you know, I've for those listening or whatever, I used to live in D.C. I've now moved to Seattle. Uh, so I haven't been around the team for a while. Uh, and I know you have because you're the hardest rookie man in the nation's capital there, uh, Liz man, and I'm really impressed and proud of all your accomplishments and uh, just, you yeah. know, who are well, you well, developing? Let me get sentimental. I, I, learned, I learned from a group. Good yeah, group. I know. I got you See, I just dropped some sentimental shit on the people right there. But I, <laughs> No, I just like, – what's it like to, 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 you know, interview him, be around him, watch him interact with people, take coaching, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's hard to see that you know, from an online standpoint, but when you're kind of around the team for a while, you can kind of see, you know, you get a lot of little observations that way. And I just wanted your take on him, um, you know, as a professional basketball player so far. 
well, I think the the key word that you hit on is a professional. So Rui, Rui, his I think for a guy who, first of all, we have to talk about uh, all of the attention that he is receiving. I mean, we had oh god, yeah, how Japanese media? Uh, no, oh shit, is it, is it is it? Are they going crazy? The Asian media? <laughs> yeah, no, no less than twenty Japanese media members come to every single Wizards media availability. So that could be practice, uh, shoot around uh, for the games. I mean, like he's got he's got attention, and he does he does interviews in both English and then Japanese. So every time that he has immediate availability. So I mean, but as far as on the court stuff, uh, or just talking to him and talk and, and getting a chance to watch a little bit of practice. I mean, this this is a hard working guy, and I think he's come in and earned the respect of his teammates. And so that's a big thing that I'm looking at because, you know, they they got the Wizards, they have a few veterans on the team who, you know, they have every reason to not be impressed by Rui and to, 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 you know, kind of hate on a guy getting so much attention. But for to a man, everybody on the team says how much of a great guy he is and how much of just a good person, how much of a sponge he is in terms of just trying to pick up and learn everything that he can from uh, everybody that he can. So, I mean, I, I think that Rui's a fantastic guy. And it, for, for a person who's dealing with all of the, of the, of the stress and kind of hoopla and, uh, I mean, a little bit of a circus surrounding the, the coverage behind him, because, I mean, the Wizards as an organization, I mean, they're leaning into this as well. You know, Rui, Rui they have a, a, a Japanese correspondent who's on the team. They have a, a, a Japanese Twitter uh, account. You know, they, they're, they're really playing into uh, the whole Rui mania. Well, I mean, it's good, good timing to have a Japanese dude and uh, have to deal with the China fall, Chinese fallout, huh? <laughs> like, no, you know, I guess that's – I think that is, from an observation standpoint, I'm glad that you – that you touched on it is just the like how he's still somewhat succeeding and you know learning as this these other distractions are happening where he's also still proud from being this pioneer of basketball ambassador from a place that he loves right and so he's trying to balance those two things as a young guy but also trying to figure out who the hell to you know work on a shot figure out defensive rotations uh, maybe learn to uh, pump pump fake a couple times tonight. I think that he, you know, I like that he he went into, you know, a couple times at the rim that he got ejected. But man, just a quick pump fake, right? You draw the foul, and and I think that he'll definitely learn on that. I man, I mean, I was there. I mean, I was there during Lynn Sanity when the Knicks played the Wizards, covering a game, and that media crush, and that's at the extreme. But also just when Ye played for the Wizards, and the amount of. Uh, attention in media. I mean, I don't know what the hell they were saying all the time, but just the sheer quantity of cameras around them, I think sometimes wasn't uh, really understood from the outside because it doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but then it kind of does. Uh, I, Troy, I have a question. What did you think about uh, Thomas Bryant? Because I think that, to me, um, this season is really about those two players um, and along as, you know, f- maybe find it, you know finding some other ones. Yeah, uh, I mean Thomas Thomas Bryant is a is a diamond in the rough. He's a gem of a player. Uh he went fourteen and eleven tonight. And I think uh I mean his plus minus wasn't really uh all that great. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that 
Scott Brooks kind of didn't really do him any favors by putting him out there in the lineup with a lot of uh, of the bench players. And so, you know, when he's out there on the floor with, you know, Admiral Schofield and Chris Chioza, you know, that, that, that really that really doesn't – it's not conducive for him to, to have a good plus-minus. But I thought that he did his job as he was supposed to. He played uh, decent enough defense on uh, Chris Sapp's Porzingis. Um, and, and, and he was out there, he was kind of controlling the paint area. I like Thomas Bryant as a prospect, and I think that, you know, he, he's going to be able to grow uh, with Bradley Bill with this team. No, I think they're correct. I didn't really see, you know, I didn't see that he was doing poorly, but I didn't really, really notice him when I was paying attention until, you know, there was a couple of plays, especially in the second half where, you know, it's probably going to be the best set that the Wizards have is a Bradley Bill Bryant pick and roll, right? And Brian dive into the hoop. Beal found him a couple of times. I think he got fouled once. Um, and then, and then another time, Beal drove, and then Brian, I think, tipped it in. Uh, and so I saw that. But yeah, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, more so than him playing with a bunch of guys, uh, you know, like there wasn't good spacing. Uh, he was probably up top too much. But I think that, uh, in the defensive stuff, I mean, I, I don't have the analytics around the rim. It, it, it maybe it was a lack of Dallas really attacking the rim, but you know, they're really. I didn't. I didn't feel like they gave up too many. Like it wasn't they lost tonight because they lacked interior defense, which I would assess, you know, responsibility to him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they lost this game because of their lack of uh, yes, right defense exactly. So. I, I think that he, I think that he did his job uh, to the best of his ability tonight, and that you know if they want to have more success in the future, that you know they, they, it starts at the top, and they need to have a better game plan coming from uh, head coach Scott Brooks. So I've, I keep referencing bigs that are white and shooting, making uncomfortable. But uh, one is from Latvia, Bertans, like we mentioned, but also Mo Mo Wagner. What a night this guy had up and down. I mean, he had uh, he was plus five, but had five turnovers, was four or five from the field in 17 minutes, hit three threes. So he hit three threes in 17 minutes, finished with 13 points. But also, like I mentioned, five miscues, and some of them were really bad turnovers. Like, I was watching the Dallas <laughs> the Dallas feed, and they were like, well, who are, I don't even know who their play-by-play guy is. I didn't look it up, but he was like, well, you don't see that very often where they call traveling when you're still dribbling. <laughs> it was like, it, it, totally was tra- it was totally traveling. He shuffled his feet like four times. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, but I did like the fact that he did show some aggression a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously he's limited, I think, around the rim is, but a pick and pop kind of big that showed some fight and a willingness to kind of mix it up and use his body, but also a nice touch. Uh, I was, you know, he was, he was either really good or really bad, but I, at least there's some really good in there. Yeah, I think that there was some really good in there. And, I mean, he's been shooting the ball exceptionally well throughout training camp and in the preseason. Um, I mean, his uh, deficiencies on the defensive end, I think, are very much well known. And if he can just clean up those mistakes on the offensive end, some of those offensive fouls and traveling calls, uh, he'll be uh, a decent player. I feel like, you know, he's a decent option as a backup center. But uh, I want to talk about some big picture things before we kind of wrap up here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, what did you you think about the uh, Bradley Bill contract extension and what do you think that means for this Wizards team? 
You know, you know, I think there's positives and negatives, and I think that from a fan stamp, I think from every party involved, from I see the pluses from Beal's side, his camp. Uh, I see the I, I see the pluses from the organization, uh, and then I also see from you know, hey, being a being a fan. Oh shit, uh, being a fan in the sense that you know the player that you're rooting for is uh, still on the team. So, uh, you know, I think it was a good move. I think it was a good move, you know, give Tommy Shepard and that new new crew there some credit for, you know, locking him up, uh, give Beal being able to, you know, stay in D.C. for, you know, at least another year, possibly two. Uh, I mean, further on his contract. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I see the positive, you know, giving – Having the ability uh, where now Bradley Beal doesn't have to worry about making all NBA for that extension, and then also giving up one of his year, but still having a player option for year two on the extra year, still having enough money. But it also gives the Wizards now don't have to worry about whatever happens this year that Bradley Beal might leave. Gives them another year um, along with John Wall coming back to maybe try to turn this around in a two-year window instead of the uncertainty of you know, Beal going for points to make an NBA with friction of maybe they shouldn't win, with also is he going to stay or not. Uh, I think it's a win-win for everyone. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I definitely think it's a win-win for everyone. I think it's more of a win for Bradley Beal than anybody else because, I mean, he kind of gets to have his cake and eat it too. So, you know, he can get uh, that, that extra money that he probably wanted, and uh, it, it was definitely much deserved for him. And, you know, it's like an insurance policy for him that, you know, if he does get some type of serious injury, that, you know, he has that, an extra $70 million that he just picked up. But also at the same time, I think that, you know, uh, it's not like he committed to Washington for the, you know, long term. And if he is if he goes through this season and he's not happy, I mean, he, he, he could be very well out of here by next year. All he's got to do is go in there and tell them that he wants out. So, And we've already seen the precedent pretty much being set throughout the NBA that when superstars say that they want to be traded, you know, they're they're going to get traded. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's what Bradley Bill wants to do. I'm just saying that his contract extension and the way that he and his agent, Mark Bartelstein, worked it out was like the perfect hedge for, for him. And so, yeah, as and also there's Wizards, there's family family reasons as well, right? I think does he have another kid? I don't, I don't, he likes I'm it not, there, not, right? I, I can't speak to that. I don't know what's going on with that, but I just know from a basketball and from a business standpoint, he 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 heads his deal very nicely. And that you know, if the Wizards don't really show him much, that you know he he can still want out. And you know, if, if they do turn it around, and if he wants to lead this team then he has the option to do that, too. I think that, you know, he's on the fence and he can do both. I think that – and that's really what it all comes down to. And we really still don't know how this is going to play out. So, you know, but I, I, I take Bill at face value when he says that he wants to be a legacy player and that he wants to build a legacy in Washington. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he, he, he still he's, – he's a man. He's a smart man. He's got options. So, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. Well, also, it allows, you know, the Wizards can't trade him now until after the trade deadline. Uh, that, the well, they, that, that means they won't be able to trade him until cool. before next year's draft. So, Correct. You know, I so, think that, that gives them a whole year 
of you know trying to trying to fill this thing out and see you know if, if he if he still wants to stay committed to this to this Wizards team after this year you know or or he could he he, he could have his own set of demands of of things that he wants to see happen within the organization. Um, so you know we, 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 we will see how this all plays out, but I think that it's good to know that at least for this season we don't have to worry about whether Bill will be here or whether he won't be here. We know for a fact that he'll he'll be a wizard throughout the course of the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, and and, the, and also like I mentioned earlier, he's putting up big numbers, trying to make the All NBA team so he could be eligible for the Supermax, and now we don't have that. More, late March, April kind of issue, especially the uncertainty of him maybe being out, the uncertainty of the trade deadline before that, correct? Uh, trying to figure out what's happening with John Wall as you're developing a team. Um, you know, so eliminating that from what's going on with the Wizards and getting him to buy into a shorter window with this new, you know, new-ish, uh, which probably have another podcast, my thoughts on, on, on all that, and your take too, you know, regime you know, and then also from the organizational standpoint, homegrown talent, and then promoting the sports book that they have. They got marketing standpoint. They have more stability there, but they also have flexibility. Uh, and, you know, you know, saving for an injury like you mentioned, but also he's still going to be an elite enough player that if they want to trade him too, from an organizational standpoint, right? Things aren't developing well. They need to go a full reset instead of kind of just this maybe fly you know, this mini kind of reset that they're doing, mini rebuild instead of a full one, that he'll still have enough value. And this contract isn't such a – they can't move it. Like, they don't have to give up a pick, right, to get rid of it. It's the opposite, right? They'll be getting just as much if they do it now, February, or two years from now, or June, right? So that gives the Wizards some flexibility on that end, but also gives, like you mentioned, Beal some extra money in case of an injury and then having the player option, but then also the ability to be like, yo, this isn't working out the way you guys said. Uh, I want to go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but, you know, I think that this is, this is much CTV for, for Wizards fans because, you know, I know some people were doing a victory lap, you know, saying that because Bradley Bill signed his contract extension that, you know, he's going to be a wizard for life. And I just mm. wanted to I, I wanted to, uh, take a little line from my guy, Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't – here's the deal. I don't know if their goal of winning a championship is further keeping Bradley right now, signing him longer, trading him now, trading him in a year and two now. I just really don't know the answer to that, especially with, with John Wall's contract and his health uncertainty and the unknown. Maybe, maybe not, but I don't think it's definitive either way, right? I, th- you know, I don't think it's such a stronger argument all, all the way either. You know, I think it's just a stronger argument if his value to rebuild is diminished more so right now. I feel, still think you can sell high on Bradley, or you don't sell high on Bradley, and him and John, especially if the East struggles. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in the East. You know, and maybe one of his younger player hits and you allow, um, you know, they spend some more money, some better scouting, they drill some second round you know, get some guys here and there, and they get a philosophy. I, I just don't think, and going back to what you mentioned earlier, is, I I mean, why is Scott Brooks still the coach then? I mean, what's we, we're basically saying we're punting from the season. We're going to allow you – know, and so what, is he still around for development, I guess? But I don't know. Why does he still want to be here too? I mean, just because of the paycheck? I mean, I don't, I don't get that aspect. Well, I mean, he gets, he, gets, he gets the paycheck regardless. So, I mean, this – 
that's a question for a whole another pie. That yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right now. But uh, I know I do know one thing. I do know that uh, Bradley Bill signed a you know a, a max extension. And if the Wizards are going to win games this year, they're going to need Bradley Bill to play like a max player. And tonight he did not play like a max player. And you know that that's that's not you know trying to to, to bash Bill. You know everybody has off nights, but you just for the Wizards he knows that he has to play better in order for the team to actually get it, come out there and compete. And so, you know, all of this conversation that we're having is all for not if, if he's not going to come out and play like a max player. Yeah, I agree. Tonight was not one of his best nights. I, I don't think that he was maybe pressing a little bit. Have we discussed the last play before I go? I mean, that was some bullshit. I was pissed. It was happening during the six-run national inning. I, I mean, I guess he waved at the ref, but it was a double tech. I don't know if I've ever seen yeah, it was a, a double, double tech. tech. And he and uh, uh, Luca were they kept going back and forth with each other. And I guess the the ref, I don't know what I I couldn't see what the interaction between. I'm looking at just just Luca and Bill, and they were going back and forth. And I guess Bill must have waved off the official while he that did. Was well, and no, the he official got offended, yep. and they then they tossed him out. But Bill, Bill just walked off the court, and you know I also saw that you know his post game quotes where he's saying you know he he doesn't want to get fined this early in the year, so he he just said you know he he just left it at that. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because he got he got tied up with somebody else on a call. I don't know if it's uh, KP Chris Tapp, but and then him and Don just kind of bumped a little bit or something. The ref just saw them and wanted to cool it out, so he double teed. And the ref just turns around and is blocked off, and I just sees Beal, and Beal just kind of waved him off twice, like, "What is that double tech?" And the dude is like, "You're out." I was like, "It's a seven point game with like a minute left, like, uh, you know, I don't know, what was it, a minute and a half or two minutes at that point?" Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a BS call, and it's pretty much over. He, he makes a free throw, and then go to the rim, and then it was over, which is probably gonna be over anyway. But I just thought that that was a very, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 call. I agree with you since neither one of us can be fined by the NBA. I, I think that that was really <laughs> <a good call. laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, hey, man, Adam, I appreciate you for coming on, man. It's, it's past 1 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, and, and, and I, I got I to gotta get some rest, man. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry you got me riled up on this team. So, you know, nah, you know how it is. It's all good. I was riled up, too, watching this uh the, the the Nationals do what they did, and ho- hopefully we'll get some of that mojo when they come back to D.C. Hopefully we'll get what's, some of that mojo to spread to some of these other teams in the D.C. area. What, what's, what's the Wizards' upcoming schedule? Can you tell me that before we go? Yeah, so their next game is at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay, OKC? Yeah, OKC. Chris Paul playing or no? Chris Paul is playing. Chris Paul has been playing exceptionally well too. Wow, so, he must uh, he must really want trade. He's in good shape. <laughs> no, I mean I think Chris Paul is just still a good basketball player. I think you know that. Well, that's he, true too. Yeah, exactly. He he still can play. So, but uh, they play Oklahoma City and then they play San Antonio, uh, both on the road, and then they have the home opener against the Houston Rockets next Wednesday. Houston Rockets. Wow, they're going to San Antonio and OKC already. That's such a weird Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this team is uh, staring down a barrel of being 0-4. Possibly. Yeah, that, that's that's a tough way to start the season. But, you know, like I, like we mentioned earlier to recap, I was impressed by certain players. 
uh, disappointed by Beal, like we mentioned, and then the team didn't give up uh, at the end, which is, you know, better than the opposite. So there we go. <laughs> There's my positive pixels, Troy. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll uh, apologize for some of the uh, the noise over there. My, my fiance just got back from the Sounders, just won the game, so she's telling me to be quiet. But I'm like, I'm, wind, I'm wound up about these Washington Wizards. But I, I uh, get it. I get it, man. It's all good, Adam. Do not worry about it, man. You, you, I plan on having you be a staple of this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Season, Dude, how's it going so far? What, what, it's going great, man. We, you know, we're, we're killing the game, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to keep going, rising to the top, though, man. All right. Well, you're. It's way late on the East Coast, so uh, get to bed. And uh, thanks so much, bro. I appreciate yeah, it. Of course, of course. Hey, before you go, though, I want you to let the people know who are listening where they can find you on social media, man. Uh, yes, Adam McGinnis, A D A M M C G I N N I S at Twitter. Dot com. Find me there on the Wizards. You probably already know. It was just a photo of me. No, it's John John Wall and Bradley Beal from uh, an event a long time ago. Actually, when the Mystics Arena, the practice facility was was built, that's where I took that photo. That built like the uh, the groundbreaking. Uh, so there we go. There, you can find me and uh, just talk in mad shit about all sorts of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Adam's a very opinionated person. So if, if you if you're into into people speaking their mind, then definitely go follow Adam McGinnis on Twitter. You should go right, check guys. out that the Truth About It uh, preview you guys you wrote too. It's pretty good. Yeah, it, 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 I'm glad to see that Truth About It is still has a heartbeat right now. We, we, we hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll, we'll we'll resuscitate them and bring it back to life. Uh, for sure. All right, man. Thanks All for right, listening, Adam, everyone. Thanks for coming on again, man. All right, later, dude. Like Gilbert Arenas, now I'm chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking, they try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a stripper like Bucky. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net, girl shooting shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net, girl shooting shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.